So that would be my coaching to it any agent at any time design. So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate? To get the answers, we interview the top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. And I think not only is that a communication that goes to our clients, but it's also setting the right expectations, which brings us to our next topic, managing expectations in buyers and sellers. I would say the communication component is a big component of actually fulfilling on setting expectations. Let's unpack expectations and how do you do that? Well, absolutely. And and I just want to tag on what you said about the sports analogy, because here are professional athletes making millions of tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. And like a football player, they might be working on how they do their three-point stance, you know, alignment. Like where do they put their hand? Are they being forward or back? I mean, that's how nuanced it is, right? And if they do that enough times and then they go head to head with somebody, they learn, oh, there's pressure here. I'm going to go this way or there's pressure there. And then they start to see things before they happen. Mm-hmm. So the practice that you're talking about, which I think is so rare. So I have a few agents that work on my team and we talk about that practice because it allows you the awareness of the bigger picture where you see things coming before they even happen, right? You're sitting down with a seller and you can just tell, okay, what's going to be important about to them is how we make sure the house is shown and everybody knows that it's safe or that we know that we're getting the best exposure. So the practice, the repetition gives you the ability to see things faster, just like a Tom Brady can read a defense way better than maybe a rookie quarterback that's faster, can jump higher, all those things. But that knowledge base from that repetition is what makes them great and makes them slow down at game time. Because how many people get nervous at a presentation because they don't do it that often, okay? So you want to put yourself in that position. So in terms of managing expectations, I mean, this is super important. You know, I don't know about South Florida, but, you know, in general, the U.S. market, I think we had 3.5 million sales last year versus a couple of years ago, over 6.5. So the number of sales is definitely lower. We know that. So we have to be at our best. And at the same time, I think it's really easy, Peter, for us as agents to stand out because... I don't know what it's like for you, but here, if I go to a restaurant or maybe I call a customer service line somewhere, getting good service is pretty rare. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Right. And my gosh, I mean, when you go to a restaurant, it's not difficult, but if someone's just attentive, um, gosh, I got my meal, but I need some ketchup or something. And if you have to wait or whatever, if no one just checks on you or if the owner of the restaurant, you know, so no one checks on you and sees what you need. You don't know. So you have to just checking in, making sure people are doing okay. And oh my gosh, if the owner of the restaurant comes by and says, how's everything with a meal? They don't have to change everything. But the point is paying attention and having a nice, pleasant conversation is going to make agents stand out. Now, the the tough thing is like a physician, sometimes you're not um, bringing in good news. Gosh, we've been on the market three weeks, two showings, no offers, right? So we have to have tough conversations. So when I'm sitting down with a customer to list their property, Peter, I'm talking about, okay, in this market, the average days on the market for homes that are selling is 14 days. 
The average home of the active market is 70 days. What does that mean to you as a seller? Right? That's the question I would ask. And usually we're guiding them. I'm not telling them I'm guiding them. Okay. So after 14 or 21 days on the market, these people that own the houses that haven't sold, what do you think they might be considering or what do you think they should be doing? Okay. So I'm setting the stage from the very beginning. And then we see, okay, look what happened to this house. It was 75 days on the market. They got 94% of their price. The house that was four days on the market got 101%. So this tells us the longer we're on the market, the lower the offers come in. Okay. So how important do you think it is that we price it competitively and potentially drive our price up versus testing the market higher and then having to make adjustments down? How do you think that seller feels? Okay. Same thing with a buyer, right? Usually, you know, you have to be within one to 2% to get a new listing or three to 4% over asking price. Show them that if you're going to get it. So don't be connected, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, to the price that shows up on the the market, that doesn't mean it's what it's worth. That's just a starting point. Okay. My job here is to show you what the real value is. And most people as buyers make mistakes because they're not willing to offer a reasonable price and end up paying more for an inferior home later. So again, all these things we need to do is just to set the expectations. So when the point arrives over time where, boy, we've offered on three homes, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, we missed them all. Let's sit down and reset. Where do you think we need to do to make sure we don't miss out on another great house? Okay. We've set all those expectations up in advance. Okay. So, and sometimes those are not easy conversations to have. Okay. So I, again, I have a team, so I have a listing manager. We work together, but we're always trying to set those expectations and it's having that conversation. Okay. Here we are. We're at day 21. We've had several people look at it. We've had 10 showings. And they've all chosen other homes. Okay. What do you think that means for us and our price? Having those kind of conversations, Peter. I, I, I like what you're talking about here because you have a very similar style like I do. It's very consultative. It's not a, you need to do this or I'm going to reprimand you. <laughs> it's a, well, here's the facts. Here's the statistics. What do you think about it? But the way you're asking the question, you're guiding them towards the outcome that you're seeking by providing and proving that there's that. And I do very, very, very similar things when I speak with clients. Sellers is a quick example. We have three different listing strategies. We can price high, be competitive, or be a little bit under competition, knowing that the average day in market is this, this, and this, that could potentially result in this if we do that, right? Yeah. And then I ask him, what do you feel most comfortable based on what we said? Or the pricing. I, I have if what I'm noticing that a lot of agents, and I don't know how your market is, but in my market, there's a lot of stuff that's overpriced. And it's overpriced because agents are scared to have the truthful, honest conversation up front. They're willing mm -hmm. to take the listing and then have to backpedal and manage the relationship and do basically all of the hard work after they take the listing. Because, you know, and I don't know who's teaching this, but there's a lot of people out there that are saying, just get the listing and worry about the rest later. 
Yeah, but if 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 the house is worth nine hundred k and you're listing it for a million, that's a hundred thousand dollar conversation that we're gonna have to have. And I don't care how much or how little somebody has in the house and 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 their equity position. I'll be pretty upset if somebody grossly mispriced something that I was trying to sell because I need to move since my family is expanding or or I'm getting relocated. And if I was expecting to have X and now I'm getting Y, totally different conversation, you know? So how do you go about maybe prefacing some of the journey that you're going to have, whether it's a buyer or seller. I'm curious to, to, to know, are you just taking a listing to take the listing and then you're managing expectations on the back end, or are you doing them up front? Um, what does that look like? Well, let, let's think about it. If, if you recommend lenders, I'm sure. And if you have a lender says, oh yeah, I can get you a six, at 6%. And then uh, two days before close of escrow, oh no, it's actually seven and you got to put down more money. Right. I mean, uh, to, to just go in there and knowingly go, uh, I'm going to list it because I need it uh, or I'm desperate or, you know, my ego requires it um, is really not serving the client. So that's a great way to have a short career or a very difficult career. So I think, you know, you have to have the confidence and the knowingness that it's better to do what's right for them than what's right than what I would like, because this is about the client. Okay. So, I, I mean, one way to put it is, okay, so, so again, I never own the price on the seller side. Listen, the market's saying that we can be at this price range, okay? And then what I usually do, I show a comp, you know, here's one that's, that's a million one, for example, but it's another thousand square feet, has a nicer yard. Here's one at 900,000, you know, your finishes are better and your location's better. We're going to be somewhere in the middle. So between 999 and say 975, you know, where do you think you'd want to be? So I always give them choices, right? You gave people three choices on marketing plan. I think it's really important because if I go see a doctor, they're going to be all this information about what's wrong with me. And they go, listen, you can go with chemo, radiation, bolt, or you can actually do nothing, for example. But let's say it's just chemo or do nothing. And the client goes, well, I'd rather do nothing. That sounds easier. Great. That's always an option. And can I show you what that looks like when it plays out? It's not a pretty picture, right? Or we can go with chemo and it's going to be hard for six weeks and nine months, whatever that is. So I have a friend of mine who's an oncologist. We vacation together. I'm talking to people about, oh my gosh, your escrow is going to be delayed three days. He's talking to people about, yes, I bet we better put your spouse on hospice. Okay. That's a much harder conversation. Okay. Yeah, I agree. If we make it easy. <laughs> But I'm just saying, you know, everybody on my team is like, we have to have hard conversations. We're in escrow. We had an inspection. The buyer wants $10,000 off the price. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. But we have to convey it and give people the options. Okay. Are you still there, Peter? Our Zoom went away. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not I, sure. What I, think, I think you're okay. right on when you're talking about there's a difference in hard conversations and I think it's perspective around what a hard conversation really is. Um, I think in the beginning, when I started in this business, having a $10,000, $15,000 ask on things that are wrong with the property uh, was a hard conversation simply because of one, I didn't know what things cost. Two, sure. I didn't have the people that would be able to help me with it. 
Therefore, those were hard conversations, but it was because of my lack of experience around having those. I'm dealing with a $60,000 mold remediation bill right now. Yeah. And I tell you what, that is not a hard conversation. That is very black and white. I mean, it's not a conversation we want to have, but it's not a hard conversation. Basically, here it is. Here's the different quotes. It's actually going to be 30 or it's going to be 45. Let's go back to the sellers. Let's ask them. They either want to play ball with us or they don't. If they don't, you're within your inspection period. We go get your money back and we go find another property. I'm sorry. This isn't the one for you unless you want to go through with it. Right. right. Um, so all things set aside, we're not having a life or death conversation. We're not doing open heart surgery. Um, but also, I think it is our duty, responsibility and obligation to have the transparency with our clients because they're entrusting us in the process with it, whether we're on the buy side or the sell side. And at the same time, they're leaning on us. A lot of people, Absolutely. you know, they may transact once every few years, five to seven years, I think is like the average, right? Yeah, it's probably more now, right? Yeah, we, we do this all day, every day. So if you're used to seeing certain things on those inspections, you're a little bit more numb to it while understanding that to them it could be the biggest deal in the world. So I always provide my, my, my clients what I call the solution sandwich or the good news sandwich where there's some good news, then there's bad news, then there's additional good news. Same thing here. Hey, this is like I just had this conversation with, with one of my buyers. The great news is we just got all the permits and everything closed out. The bad news is we have a small little issue with the insurance policy. The good news is we're able to go get a surplus carrier for the time being, still close on time, but we may pay a little bit of extra money on it. Right. Yeah. They didn't uh, hear that the news is super bad that we can't get the house insured through the regular lines, right? Um, and then just having those expectations, letting them down a little bit easier. And I think um, the one thing is drawing the line in the sand when it comes to expectations and knowing what you're willing and not willing to do. When you first yeah, well, and and people like choices, so it's 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 really important, you know. I mean, so you you have to bring it up, and and so again, if you're going to have a difficult you know conversation. Um, one of my coaches gave me this line. I love it all the time. Hey, how do you want me to be with you? We got a little situation here. You, you know, you want me to be nice or you want me to be honest, right? <laughs> and it's pretty direct. Now we can't lack empathy because there's some personality types that are just drivers. Hey, it's 50 grand. Just suck it up and write a check. Well, that works for some people, but um, you, you got to sometimes set the table like you do a little bit and which I really like. And it's just like, hey, you're not going to like what I have to hear. You know, this is going to be a tough one. Uh, so they're prepared. I think knowing the personality types is a, is a big thing. If, if you're Absolutely. in this profession and you don't know whether somebody is a D or an I, you're going to have a very difficult time communicating topic yes. number one and setting expectations, which is the topic that we're talking about here. Because some people are totally fine with receiving news the way you just said it a few moments ago. And some people need a little bit of... Hey, not you know, remember when we first got on the phone and I told you I I'm gonna be brutally honest with you and you may not like what I'm about to tell you, but at least you'll appreciate that I'm very transparent with you. Yes. 
well, we have X, Y, Z, and then you proceed to go along with, with that conversation. Right. Um, I think setting expectations is extremely important from the very first conversation, because I think that sets the table for how the transaction is going to go. And if somebody tries to railroad you off of your expectations or your process, that's going to also tell you how easy or challenging the deal is going to be itself when you're navigating through the deep waters with them. Yes. Is there, yeah. is there one thing that you wish you knew about setting expectations um, as you started going or that now that you look back at your career um, and are like, hmm, I need every single one of my agents to know that this is it when it comes to setting expectations? Try to just know what the choices are, right? So I, I always try to give no more than like three choices. Yeah. Okay? So, um, gosh, I had an example in my head. It kind of slipped away, but... You know, if you talk about, okay, so let, let's say we have a person that wants to buy and they're on the fence, okay? And they're going, eh, I think, you know, rates are higher. I think they're, I'm going to wait for rates to go lower. Okay, fantastic. I get it. You know, we all want to get back to a 3% rate. So let me ask you this, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer. If, if rates do go from, say, 6.75 to 5.75, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I'm going to be a buyer. Great. Do you think anybody else is going to be a buyer? Well, yeah, probably. Okay. So we know for every 1% drop, you know, we get, I, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, makes a house 10% more affordable. And we get an extra, you know, in my county, it means 700 buyers. In my county, we have 2,000 sales. So that's a huge part of the marketplace. So you're going to be competing with many, many more buyers. Would you rather purchase a house now that you can afford? Okay. And then when the rates do drop, take advantage of them then. Or try to time the race and then be competing with everybody else who's who's working with you. I mean, which would you prefer? Yeah. So, gosh, given that way. So, choices are important. Knowing how to structure those questions is a different issue. Okay. Um, boy, I want to sell, but I want to wait for rates to go lower. Okay. Uh, well, rates are going to do one of two things. Well, they're going to do three things, uh, Peter. They're going to either stay the same, okay, which means you're going to stay in your house. Um, if they go up. It sounds like you only want to sell when you get a lower rate. Is that right? Yep. Or they go down. Okay. If they go down, what's going to happen to your house price? Oh my gosh, a house is going to be worth more. Great. And you're moving to Colorado, right? Yes. What do you think is going to happen to prices in Colorado when rates go down? They're going to go up also. Okay. And you think it's going to be more competitive trying to find a house in a low inventory market in Colorado if those rates drop? Well, I, I, I guess. Absolutely. The lower the rates are, the more buyers come out. So you're going to be competing like a dog to try to find a house. So we almost should hope rates go higher. It makes it tougher to buyers to get in. You can sell this house. And when the rates do drop, because you think they're more likely to go lower or higher, well, they might go a little higher, but probably lower. That's what we're all hoping for. So why on earth would you wait for that? So again, it's just giving them the options and kind of ex explaining the scenarios like, Every scenario has a, a plus and a minus. It's just how do we help our clients take advantage of that, okay, and see a little bit beyond it. So again, if I'm a new agent, I'm just going to learn what those things mean. And obviously, you don't learn this in a day, a week, a month, or a year. It just takes time. So just get a little bit better every day. Do what you do, which is regular daily practice, and, and really practice on where you get stuck, your weakest thing. So that would be my coaching to it any agent at any time, because I'm working on improving as we speak after this long in the market. 
I really like that last part that you also said is that I'm working on it myself every day. And I think this is one of those businesses that doesn't matter how long you've done it. You can always learn something new because every deal, even though you've seen it, is always a little bit different. The people are a little bit different. The property is a little bit different. You know, you, you may have dealt, I'll use the mold issue again, with mold 15 different times, but now it's a little bit different. So managing those expectations and being able to communicate it eloquently, I think it's really what allows us to also solidify the relationships and create clients for a lifetime. And that's ultimately how you can potentially build your sphere. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. 